0: Good morning again. Uh, I need to, before I start the sermon, uh, clarify that Josh, who uh, obviously is missing this week, is uh, Josh and Sophie just having a holiday. I'm mindful that uh, with their baby uh, due very soon, that uh, there might be all sorts of speculation, but they, uh, they're just enjoying a, a much-deserved holiday, so please do be praying for them for a refreshment and rest. I'm going to pray now for us as we uh, prepare to open Psalm 119 together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you that in your goodness, in your kindness, in your faithfulness to us, you speak. You speak that we may know you and know ourselves and through that know how to live rightly before you. And so we pray, Father, for humble hearts to receive your word as it really is not the word of, uh, well, a human person, but the word of our God. And so we pray for that humility in Jesus' name. Amen. My uh, grandpa was a giant of a man, uh, but one of my final memories of him was, uh, was visiting him in hospital after he had tripped over uh, innocuously, really, the garden hose in uh, their back garden and, and completely broken his neck. Uh, this giant of a man laid low, lying in hospital with, with one of those sort of halo helmets uh, around him, holding his head and neck in place and i remember um, walking into that hospital room uh, feeling shocked by how powerless this strong man looked and not really knowing what to say uh, and then uh, standing there really in silence uh, he asked me to read the bible to him now we'd not had many chats about christian things over the years and i wasn't 100 percent sure uh, what he thought at that time but here in the fear and the frailty of that moment he knew the place to go let God speak he needed to hear that word uh, like he needed to breathe and so today at the start of another week for each of us uh, some of us I suspect myself included may not feel that same urgency as my grandpa did in that hospital bed uh, sure as we look at the week ahead we may feel stressed about what's before us or perhaps expectant or or maybe unsure we may have all sorts of feelings about the week ahead but i suspect many of us don't feel urgent about hearing god's word as we enter the week what if you feel the urgency that what you need right now in this moment as you prepare for the week is to hear your god's voice I mean, who has time to read the Bible regularly and amongst everything else that we fill our lives with? And yet Psalm 119, and we read just a section of it. It's a long Psalm, 176 verses, says that uh, who has time to read God's word is a bit like asking who has time to breathe. Cut out breathing does sound like a great time saver, doesn't it? But here's the thing, cutting out breathing doesn't really give you more time for anything else, does it? And so it is with God's word. Cut out God's word and, well, you can finish the sentence. Because, to paraphrase, and I could have quoted many of the verses from the psalm, but here is Psalm 119, verse 50. Uh, The psalmist says, your word keeps me alive. I mean, what do you make of that declaration, Uh, that that statement that this is is a life-sustaining word, a bit like uh, breathing in and out is? Uh, Perhaps as you hear that uh, this morning, you're not a Christian yet. Perhaps you're sceptical about uh, the Bible altogether and not sure what to make of it, and so that seems an outlandish statement. Or perhaps you're someone who is newly a Christian and you're, you're still trying to actually work out how the Bible and the details of your life fit together. Or perhaps you've been a Christian for a number of years, many years perhaps, and now you feel unsure of its place, or regular place anyway, in the busyness of your life. The argument of Psalm 119 is this. You need to hear this word like you need to breathe. And that's not just true if you're lying in a hospital bed with a halo brace around your neck. It's what you need right now. In fact, it it, it always will be what you need. It's what you need uh, as you stumble out of bed in the morning. That's what your heart needs to hear, that word. It's what your same heart needs to hear as your head hits the pillow at the end of the day. It is a word for the effervescent days of youth. It's a word for those fragile final days of life. It's a word for mundane days. It's a word for busy days. It's a word for uh, red-letter days, great days, and a word for, well, the dark and hard days. And in this short series that we begin today, uh, we are really uh, purposing the series to grow our love again and our urgency to hear God's word and to see it like well-breathing. And so really what I want to do with us together this morning as we uh, look at these verses from Psalm 119 is is ask and answer two questions. Why is it that we should love God's word like that? And secondly, uh, if we are to love God's word, what would happen in a life that is devoted to God's word? So let's think of each of those in turn. Firstly, why you should love God's word. And as we begin to think about this, and we'll see more of this next week, uh, we we need to know that we as Christians believe that the way God speaks to us, the way he makes himself known, the way he reveals his purposes, is, well, through this book, the Bible. This is how God speaks. Uh, Listen to this verse from uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, and this is the verse we'll drill down into next week. It says this, All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. Uh, These words that uh, Liz read for us before, they're not Liz's words, they're not human words, they are formed by the very breath of God. God is the speaker. As 1 Thessalonians 2.13 puts it, the words of scripture are not human words, they are the words of the living God. Another passage, Zechariah chapter 5, verse 1, shows us the power of what happens when, when this word is spoken, when, when, well, indeed, this word is read. Uh, when, when you pick up this book, it does look like it, it belongs on a dusty shelf along with any other book. Uh, but when God speaks, Zechariah 5, wonderful, says there's nothing stultifying about it. Words fly when he speaks. Uh, and words that are not of some distant and unrelated context, but they're forever words. Uh, when God speaks, there are no small words. He speaks of things that really matter. And uh, again in Zechariah uh, chapter 5, verse 3, do you notice how universal his word is? It's not just to particular contexts and times. It, it, the, well, the passage says there that it goes throughout the whole land. It covers, well, everything. Here is a word that is not silent of, on even the most complex issues that we face. Here is a word that can speak into questions of vaccine passports and refugees and carbon footprints and mental health, you name it, this word covers it. And it's not just a global word, Verse 4 of Zechariah 5 says it's an intimate word. It's such a brilliant picture in this verse, a, a, a confronting picture in one sense. It says here is a word that can go into a house and blow that house apart. It, it brings that sort of explosive change uh, at the domestic level. We are to love this word. First, because it is the word of the living God. But secondly, and uh, this is where we zoom in on Psalm 119, it is because the word, the God who speaks that word is a faithful God. It's a faithful word. Uh, Look at Psalm 119, verse 137. It declares this, you are righteous, Lord. That's the God who's speaking to us. He is righteous, uh, and this is the very core reason, I think, to love God's word. It is because he's righteous. The one who speaks to us is righteous. Or, or another word for that that the Bible uses is he's faithful. He's a straight shooter. Righteous is who God is. Uh, righteous is, in this psalm, a describing word. It tells us that uh, well, God is a relational God and the sort of relationships he has are faithful. Relationships. And so when he speaks to, to initiate relationship with us, he speaks faithfully. You see it all the way through this psalm. Uh, let me give you a few examples. Uh, firstly, in verses 41 and 76, we're told our God is faithfully loving. And so he wants relationship. That's why he speaks. Uh, verse 151, our God is faithfully near. And so he is able to relate. Now verse 156, our God is faithfully compassionate and so we need, he knows we need relationship. And so it tells us who he is, this word faithful or righteous, but it also tells us what he does. See God isn't just a God who speaks a faithful word, he delivers on that faithful word, he demonstrates his faithfulness. The one who is righteous, who is utterly faithful, who wants relationship because he's loving, who can relate because he, he's near, who knows we need relationship because he's compassionate, acts according to that nature. He promises and then he makes good on that relationship by one simple act. He speaks. His word is his promise of relationship, both spoken and delivered. Let me say that again This is how we should approach the Bible as we read it. His word to us is his promise of relationship and then him delivering on that promise. It is a promise of salvation. It's a promise of uh, coming into a right relationship with God. And how he achieves that is simple but wonderful. He speaks the truth. Uh, That's how he does it. Let's think about that for a moment, the God who tells the truth. He he speaks the truth not just because it's his nature to do so, because he's faithful. He speaks the truth because, well, in the words of verse 156 of our passage, because his compassion is great. (laughs) Because he knows that the fundamental problem that you and I have, that all humanity has, is that we have suppressed the truth about God and exchanged it for a lie. That's what Romans 1.25 says. We have suppressed and exchange for a lie the truth that God is our glorious and good creator and that we are his creatures. We, we deny that truth. Creation itself declares it to us. I mean, when we go out after the live stream today, it's a spectacular day in God's creation. It declares to us that, well, there's something far bigger than us. It declares that we're not in charge. And yet our response is to reject that truth. Creation takes over the rule of this world. We think we're in charge, and it seems brave, but do you know what Romans 1.21 says? It's futile. And so knowing this, our God who is righteous, who wants relationship, and knows we need relationship, speaks to us to reveal the truth again. Uh, Truth about him, but also the truth about us. You know what God's word tells us about ourselves? It tells you and it tells me that we are his creation, that we are not self-made men and women, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that that even now as we live and breathe and as we go into this week, he perceives our thoughts from afar. He discerns our going out and and coming back. He's familiar with all our ways. That's the truth that his word reveals to us. His word tells us the truth, not just about the fact that he made us, but also the truth about the mess that we have made of this world and of our own lives. That while God is righteous amongst us, there is no one who is righteous. His word tells us that truth. That while God seeks relationship, the Bible tells us that none seek God. That's the truth. That while God is near amongst us, all have turned away. And that while God is good amongst us, there is no one who does good, not even one. But into our powerless, self-made situation, God doesn't just speak the truth about us. He also speaks the truth about himself. His word reveals that he is righteous and that although we are faithless, he is faithful. His word is his promise of relationship spoken and delivered. He's steadfastly spoken with that purpose. He's spoken all the way through history. A a book of Hebrews that we we read earlier in the year said in the past, he's spoken in many and various ways through the prophets. But but in these last days, this decisive act of restoring that relationship, he's done through his ultimate and final word, the word of his son. Or as John's gospel says of him, the word made flesh, God's word of rescue. And of that word, uh, again, John's gospel says this, John 5 verse 24, God says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, that's Jesus speaking about his father, has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Do you see the power of this word, this truthful word that God speaks? You hear it, and you receive it, you move from death to life. It brings that sort of change, that sort of powerful transformation in our lives. But here's the wonderful thing about that word. Uh, The challenge of Psalm 119 is it shows us what we have been saved for, and that is to live in light of that rescue, of that movement from death to life. You see, God's word is not just spoken to sort of rescue us out of our own drowning situation and leave us gasping for air on the shore on our own. No, it's a word that then leads us on, shows us how to live, not just uh, existing life, but well, in the words of John 10, verse 10, life and life to the full. And so as we finish, I just want to pick up some of the ways that we're told in this passage, Psalm 119, and I do commend the whole psalm to you, some of the ways it shows us that God's word actually walks us, leads us to this life and life to the full. Let's think for a moment about the difference loving this word would make from Psalm 119. This faithful word our God speaks is a word that, well, having rescued us, leads us on. And this is emphasized all the way through the psalm. But have a look just even at the opening verses. This is why God speaks. This is what he wants us to do. We are, verse 1, to walk according to his word. Uh, Verse 2, we are to seek him with our heart. We're to follow after him. Uh, Verse 3, in case we've missed it, he says it again. We are to walk in his ways. That's what this word does. It says, just follow me. Uh, God's people of old uh, had a Hebrew word for for this sort of lifestyle, this regular hearing and heeding of God's word. The the word they used was halakha, uh, the walk. That's what this word does. It creates a walk, a way of living. That's the point of life, to walk in his ways, in the way of his word. And the New Testament Christians have have a word for it too. We we still use it, but perhaps we've forgotten what it means. Uh, It's the word disciple, and it means learner. One who learns from this word, one who follows this word, uh, to be a follower, to follow where he leads, where his voice leads. And so as we finish, here are six things that we would learn as disciples as we follow his word. Here's the first of them. And they're all picked picked out of uh, Psalm 119. Uh, We would learn to, over time, love his voice. I wonder if you love God's voice as you read his word. Look at what verse 140 says of our psalm. It says, you learn to love it because you see that the promises there have been tested and found true generation after generation. And so I love them. And then again, uh, verse 162, it says, hearing God's word, is like finding uh, a treasure. It's like winning the lotto. And so we learn to love his voice as our treasure. Here's the second thing it will lead to. It will mean that we learn to obey his voice. I mean, how do you respond to God's faithful word? With faithfulness. A faithfulness that expresses itself in obedience. Have a look at verses 100, verse 173. Uh, there, there you've got obedience written in this way. I have chosen your precepts. I choose to obey. I wonder if that's your response as you hear God's word. I choose to obey what you are saying to me, God. The path we walk is set down by God's word. In the words of 2 John chapter 1, verse 4, we are to walk in the truth. And we learn to love his voice. We learn to obey his voice. Here's a third thing that will happen, again from Psalm 119, verse 97 this time. We learn to let his word go deep, not just skim over the surface of our lives. What I love about this Psalm is it's clear that the Psalmist is a heavy hitter when it comes to God's word. He loves God's Word. He loves to meditate on God's Word. Uh, Verse 97, all day long he meditates on God's Word. I struggle with half an hour. And yet for all his meditating, he prays again and again in this psalm that God would keep teaching him his Word. He's got more to learn, deeper to go. Uh, That's the beauty of God's Word. Uh, it's like uh, the poem, T.S. Eliot poem. He says, uh, you, you, you should not cease from exploration. You'll discover more and more. The more you open this word, the more you dig into it, the more you will learn. And we will be like the psalmist where we say, keep teaching me. The person who knows God speaks a faithful word, knows that the absolute best way to live is to let that word soak deep into a life. You want life to the full? Then fill your life with this word. Here's a fourth thing that will happen if we love this word. From verse 139, we'll learn to be passionate about the word. Verse 139 My zeal wears me me out, for my enemies ignore your word. The psalmist is uh, passionate that people hear and understand and don't ignore this word. I wonder if we have that same passion. To respond rightly to God's true word is to be passionate about that truth being heard. To not be okay when it's rejected by our peers and family. To not be okay if it's maligned in the public square. To to not be okay when when Christians reinterpret the word or underplay it or, or deny what it says. And not because we're pedants. No, it's because we know why God has spoken the truth. He speaks it to set us free, to rescue us. And so we're desperate, we're passionate that people hear this truth because we know it is how they will live. We learn to be passionate about the word, but perhaps the opposite of that, but remarkably, it's also what God's word will do for us. It will, we'll learn to be gentle. We'll learn to be at peace. Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they who love your law. I reckon the Christians that I've met who are the calmest, and I don't mean uh, never active and and loud or anything like that, but calm and at peace when life uh, hits them, are those who have this word as their rock. Great peace have they who love your law. When you fill your heart and mind with God's word, you will be filling your heart and mind with trustworthy promises. The letter to the Philippians says that these are the promises that will garrison, that will guard your heart they'll make you gentle now one final thing that will happen as we love his word and this is perhaps my favorite we'll finish with this we will learn to cling to this word no matter what because that's what sheep do don't you love how this psalm ends it's a long psalm but it ends very unexpectedly For 175 verses, uh, the the psalmist painted a picture of healthy and mature attitude towards God's word. Uh, The psalmist in many ways is our model for how to approach God's word. Uh, This is what it looks like to love God's word. Uh, And yet at the end, he ends the psalm in a really fragile way. Uh, Verse 176, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Here in this verse, we, I think, get to the heart of why we need to love God's word. It is because God is our shepherd and because we are his sheep and we are prone to wander. (laughs) You know, there's uh, there's a lot of things, even in this next week for us, but uh, over a lifetime, there are a lot of things that can pull us away from hearing and heeding and following after his voice. Uh, Great joys in life can do that. Uh, uh, great sadnesses can do that but temptations can do that even banal boring normal life can do that but the christian answer to whatever life throws at us is simple but it's not glib yet you are near o lord and your commands are true whatever comes i am to heed the voice of the shepherd you know, One of the aspects of my job uh, is to conduct funerals and to tell you the truth, I hate them. I mean, what's to love? Uh, death is God's last and great enemy that one day will be put to death. But friends, uh, I think in that moment of a funeral, in, in my role, that's where I see the sheer power of this word. To be able to stand in the midst of those who are experiencing the deepest possible pain And to stand before blank faces and silent mouths and to be able to speak God's eternal and trustworthy word is a wonderful thing. It's a privilege. Every time I walk into a funeral service, I remember how powerless I feel and how wonderful God's word is. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows."